listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab. Nat, in one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your uh, company. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Natasha Banskopal. I'm the COO and co-founder of fintech firms um, called Dark Matter, Constellation, and Vega X Holdings. So essentially, we're building the fintech ecosystem for fintech solutions 3.0 and 4.0, which really focus on blockchain and digital assets. Awesome. So how did you come about getting connected with your platform and your fintech platform and in the kind of blockchain alternative asset space? Let's put yeah, it that way. that's a great question. So we really started through the guise of financial literacy, where we thought that alternative investments had to be easier to understand. And mm-hmm. part of the reason we realized it wasn't so easy was because there were all of these barriers up to entry that made things inherently non-transparent or opaque, mm-hmm. if you will. So it made it hard for people to understand what was happening behind the scenes, if you will. So therefore, they had to go hire somebody to either explain things to them or to find quality deal flow for themselves. So we really started Dark Matter under the thought that it's got to be easier for investors and fund managers globally to find each other, connect, securely access documentation, and at the end of the day, securely transact, so invest into opportunities. So we use that thesis to build Dark Matter, which is about six and a half years old now. And it represents now about $7 billion in uh, AUM with funds that are on the platform. And we have over 4,000 accredited investors from over 65 countries. And we essentially use that thesis of building those initial fintech solutions to make the GPLP connection easier. Mm-hmm. We use that to take us into what we saw was fintech 3.0, because really baseline fintech solutions was 2.0. And as right. we look at 3.0, we saw blockchain is really uh, inherently built in. And what that means is essentially, um, how do we build systems, fintech systems that create the same efficiencies and transparency and scale, but do it with the latest fintech solutions, which included transparent blockchain technology that allowed us to have both private and public blockchains that provided the degree of of scrutiny that both all parties essentially need to be able to be involved with in a very mm-hmm. efficient, low-touch manner. So the thought behind the blockchain its constellation is that we're running blockchain technology behind all the functions as it pertains to investment interests and accessing documentation, et cetera, but you don't even know that it's happening in the back end. So it's mm-hmm. really thought behind how do we get people a bit more accustomed to blockchain technology? And part of it is to Get them used to utilizing systems that they aren't even necessarily aware are blockchain, are built on blockchain. So that's really what we built with Constellation. 
practical use of the blockchain, exactly. which in my estimation is you shouldn't even know it's there. I agree. Exactly. 100%. And that's exactly it. Because in itself, blockchain as a concept seems it comes with a lot of baggage to people who aren't working on it every day or aren't privy to the industry. So automatically, you already think that there are all these barriers so you just can't understand it. It goes over your head. But that's also mm -hmm. what financial services also does. It's a, it's, there are a lot of barriers that make you think you can't manage your own money. You can't understand certain concepts. So therefore, you need someone else. So right. a lot of the premise behind the blockchain is like, how do we make these things easy to use, make the UI very easy so that people can still get what they need to get done? And then at the end, they realize or find out that it was blockchain and say, oh, I guess I use the blockchain system or I use this tech and I didn't even know. And that's how you start getting people a bit more accustomed to these systems. So right. as the whole industry kind of moves on that trajectory to be more blockchain based, it's less of a big issue for people and people are a bit more already accustomed to utilizing it. Yeah, makes sense. So tell me a little bit about your criterion for your platform and how does it work a bit? Yeah, so on Dark Matter itself, which essentially is the parent company of Constellation and Constellation's our blockchain development arm, Dark Matter itself works with GPs, fund managers, hedge funds, private equity funds, and venture capital funds that mm -hmm. have been around for at least three years. So we look for a three to five year track record um, of, an, of funds. And mm -hmm. essentially, um, we look at a few criteria to find out if they're a fit. One is obviously their investment thesis. So we want to make sure that we have a robust investment or fund set so that investors essentially whatever they're looking for we have something for them so that's mm -hmm. one so we don't want to have too many hedge funds that are long short on there we want to be selective about those type of funds not too many early stage vcs necessarily but mm -hmm. it, essentially if we have vcs that are focused on blockchain businesses then we would make sure we have a good amount of those opportunities there for investors mm -hmm. so we look at track record we look at history we look at the management team as well to make sure that these folks are experienced and they are who they say they are. So in this right. world of fintech, we do a lot of extra verification to make sure that everybody is who they say they are. And then essentially we look at all your fund documentation. So we go through due diligence. Uh, we work with our broker dealer to make sure everything is kosher and approved and compliant in that manner. Mm -hmm. And then what we essentially do is we look for fit. So we've built an algorithms onto our platform that suggest investments of specific types to our investors. Oh, so the thought behind it is to, as an investor fills out their profile, goes through KYC, AML checks, et cetera, to onboard, then when they are approved to log in, they can then be hit with uh, suggested or recommended funds of interest because uh, we know a bit more about what they're looking for based on their profile that they fill out. So we use that and we created algorithmic matching that allows mm -hmm. us to essentially push funds of interest, of potential interest to those investors so that they don't necessarily have to browse for them through the index of funds that we have, but they were already hit with opportunities that make sense for them. So that's really what we built there. And with Constellation, we're essentially moving everything to the blockchain is what we're doing. So we're mm -hmm. building that blockchain ecosystem um, that will allow us to do the daily functions that you would need in order to clear an investment and actually move dollars into an investment and actually issue documentation that shows your ownership, et cetera. So we're moving oh, all cool. of that uh, onto the blockchain, which is no easy feat, but we're learning no. so much <laughs> because there is a lot that has to be built and a lot that uh, comes into private and public blockchains that we have to 
continue to nuance. And of course, blockchain, it's changing every day. There's new things being yeah. built every day. So um, it's no easy feat, but I'm thrilled to say that our team is on top of it. And they're very much abreast of a lot of the new functions going on, very much tied to Cosmos development team. So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of hands in the fire, if you will, that are focused on how do we build these systems for long-term use that, you know, mm-hmm. with everything that we know now and everything we can foresee coming. Cool, cool. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Yeah, so I digest a lot of online content on the kind of tech side of things. I focus a lot. I've been lately looking at a lot of AI um, content lately. Ah, and uh, part of that my is favorite. AI. I'll have to give the you fa- some, the fancy I'll AI. have to give you some information. <laughs> I would love it. I would I will love send it. some um, over to you. <laughs> please do, because I'm trying to get fully immersed in all of it. Um, oh I my recently, gosh, it's a lot of, a lot so of AI much. to read. It's a lot. There's so much coming on. It seems like everybody's mm-hmm. working on it in some degree, it's tons fairly, of degrees. It's fairly ubiquitous. In my opinion, it's fairly ubiquitous. There's a lot of AI out there and we don't yep. know it's really AI. We think yeah. it's something else, but it, it is an AI. So. Exactly. And I think that the awareness around it is what's bubbling up. So people are starting to actually realize exactly what you said, that they've been Mm -hmm. using AI systems and didn't realize it. Or even some algorithmic like functions are actually AI. It feeds into it. It could be be an AI. You know, it depends if it learns or doesn't learn. But it could be matching recommending, which is fairly common. Everybody's used to that. That can be an AI without necessarily having the learning piece of it. Exactly. Exactly. So there's so many, I think, use cases as to what has already happened happen that can be built upon. And now I think we're in this new age where it's like, all right, like, let's take a, take a closer look at what people are building AI systems mm-hmm. on. And the, a lot of my focus, at least that I've been reading a lot about right now has to do with um, bias and transparency. And a yeah. lot of the how a lot of systems that are built on historic data or historic algorithms or anything inherently have a degree of bias built into them. And if you're using that as your data set to continue to build, you can imagine that just continues well, it's, to exasperate. It's, it's, mis, it's misrepres, misrepresented. Yes. Yeah, because yes. AI is only as good as your base data set. Exactly. It doesn't and, matter and that's if you're the case for a lot regressing, of regressing, predicting. But AI, you can kind of, this is interesting because I'm thinking about Clubhouse and it's mm-hmm. I've gotten about five Clubhouse invitations, but I can't take part, participate because I have an Android phone. <laughs> so it's just like... So, no, I that's mean, hilarious. But, but but that's like a bias thing. That is, you know what I'm is, saying? It's it like, is, I'm it thinking is. about this going, okay, why didn't you just build this on Flutter? What are you doing right. that's so specific that you couldn't have built this on just a more ubiquitous uh, platform at this iPhone point? Community. But see, I mean, but it's the same thing if you think about with the yeah. AI. It's yep. like a bias. Yep. And then you're excluding people. Yep. Yep. And then the the other thing that comes out to you is half the people building the bias don't realize that's a bias or building well, the systems I mean, don't even realize it. So until well, uh, they come in contact sense. with a non-iPhone user and then they're yeah, like, I mean, oh, But right. then you don't realize that like 70% of the world doesn't have an iPhone. Like it's exactly. just like, oh, what? Exactly. Even like, half of America doesn't have an iPhone. So it's just exactly like, I think it. it's 60-40 now. But it's just the thing that the the if you really want mass adoption of something, yep. Yep. then don't just keep it in your yeah. enclosed you community. And that's yep. the thing, same thing about bias yep. as well. 
Yeah. And that's what's so good about at least the conversations that are happening now with bias mm-hmm. and AI, that the conversations are happening, right? Like that's half the battle, right? Well, uh, yes. Half the battle is having that conversation versus the neglect of there is no bias. So we've moved on yeah. from the decision that like, no, these aren't like, bias systems to like, like, all right. Tay, that was, became a rate, like that was hilarious. I won't go all into that here, but that the, when Tay initially got uh, programmed, she, mm-hmm. very biased. Yep. Yep. And a lot of systems are doing that because once somebody has it, then everybody follows suit. And then before it, industries are built and then bias is inherently laid into the foundation of like everything that has been built there. So yeah, that right. has been very interesting right now. Everyone's different organizations approach, even government's approach and guidelines to what's happening in AI and yes. how people should be building systems. So that's very much on my radar. Well, there's bias. Um, and the other thing that, and I'm in this group as well about AI and ethics, not, mm, more, yep, not, not really yep. bias, but yeah, okay, uses, yep. what, how should you really be using this AI? Should you really be using this for facial recognition and certain things related to that, which could be biased? How do you ethically use some of these things? And I think bias is going to be the first one. Ethics is probably should be up there with bias as well. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Otherwise, with you. you're going to get more Tay bots and then that could that's be exactly bad. And that's exactly <laughs> it. So that, and that, that's the road we don't want to take. That we don't want to go. It could you be know. really bad. So that's that definitely a hot topic now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's important because AI is, like I said, it's fairly ubiquitous. So I know that I met some people, I was speaking uh, last year, last June, and I met this lady and she uh, was in charge of all the AI at Microsoft mm. and there, there's AI at the McDonald's. So when you go to the window <laughs> and you order your, because once every blue moon, I got to have my Egg McMuffin, right? And I go up and literally it's AI assisted. So like when you're ordering at the window, you're talking to the AI. You don't know it. And you realize, yep. And then if there's a problem, then you'll hear like them fumbling. Hey, are you sure this is what you ordered? <laughs> the thing is you were talking to an AI in the beginning. The AI is help. I need help. But if you think about it, so this was last year. If you think about it, they may have evolved it so yeah. much because they had so much data and they yeah. could, people fairly ordered the same thing over and over. Exactly. Literally, they could have evolved that where it's like, oh, the AI took 95% of the order. And unless you like want no cheese on your egg McMuffin, right. then <laughs> you don't need the person. And you're a crazy person. <laughs> hey, I don't always want cheese on my egg McMuffin, okay? That's how you tripped up the AI. A That's special order for the AI. <laughs> That's why they had to put the AI on pause and bring a real person like, to the oh, window sorry. for you. <laughs> and you want tea? What? You don't want coffee with your thing? No. They're like, so, could you just come inside next time? Forget about this. Drive. No, because like, it's COVID-19 now. You can't go inside. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, sorry. <laughs> so great. I have a bonus question. Okay. So in two years, when we're having this conversation again, how ha- how will you have seen what you do in the blockchain alternative space evolve? Do you yeah. see that becoming more ubiquitous? Most definitely. So I think what we've seen, at least in these last couple of years, the infancy of blockchain adoption, if you will, and it's still very much in, in its infancy stage where we're working on getting the industry a bit more mature. I think what you're going to see is a lot of these larger institutions that have dedicated resources and created these blockchain-based teams will actually know what they're building (laughs) and will actually know what their actually goal is as that team. Because I think what happened is a lot of big institutions, specifically in financial services, they doubled down on figuring out blockchain resources, but then they had no idea like what that meant. And for a number of reasons, whether that be regulation or simply because- 
Exactly. And most of it is literally nobody knew what they were doing. And they hired someone that said mm-hmm. they were an expert. And that's the first thing that right. in blockchain, as soon as you say you're an expert, look, run the other way, like go to some, go somewhere right. else. We know um, you're really not. We know you're not. And I think that what we'll actually see in the next two years is like actually being able to put that money to use. And I'm pretty faithful that we'll have like real, there'll be real participants in the ecosystem versus lookers and on watchers, if you will, just like waiting to see if it's time and how to do it and who does it best to do it like Mm -hmm. them. So I think Mm -hmm. that we'll actually see some real innovation happen, real adoption. And I think that is just still going to be the beginning in two years, because especially from a U.S. perspective, We've got a lot of regulatory things that yeah, need to be still figured out. a lot out. of regulatory things. I, and we need to figure yeah. those out sooner rather than later, because as we were talking before, other countries have already figured it out and a lot are of, moving. A, a lot of other, like pretty much the rest of the world. We're definitely in the last <laughs> year. We're definitely on the crossing the chasm. Chasm, we are waiting for a mass adoption. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and we're not there yet here in the, from a regulatory side in the United States, not at all. Absolutely. So I'm faithful those things will come. I'm faithful that some regulation will start to peek its head out and we'll have some more serious players, larger players, and they'll be joining this ecosystem that's already been being built, but they'll have more of an active role. And I think that I'm hopeful that we'll see that in two to three years. Awesome. So how do people get in contact with you? Okay, to get in contact with me, my LinkedIn is great. Twitter, I'm not so active on, but if you message me there, I will interact when we get things. And then uh, I can always be reached at Natasha at darkmatter.com. D-A-R-C-M-A-T-E-R.com. Awesome. Thanks, Natasha from Dark Matter for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N.com to find out more. Find us on Apple on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.